Swing and a line drive, left field. Ben and Teddy coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did. He got it. Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. Three two. Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to an emergency episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast. Was not expecting to be recording a show tonight, but the Red Sox have reached a deal with the Philadelphia Phillies to send Brandon Workman and Heath Hembry to Philadelphia in exchange for Nick Pavetta and Connor Siebold. So that trade just went down. Comments from High and Bloom are kind of coming in and fluid, but we're going to break it down. With me tonight, uh, Charlie Smith. Charlie, how are you? Uh, you know, doing well. This this uh, this Red Sox team seems to be uh, always giving us a new dose of excitement. Finally, a couple of wins, and then sending over a couple of relievers to a team that they uh, just faced. Yeah, and I actually said uh, I have a tweet that that said, "Geez, you know this Phillies bullpen is bad," and I wonder if this is going to be more or less a showcase uh, with Brandon Workman, who pitched very well in that one inning of work. So apparently, they were impressed, and you know, if, what a few days later. The, the trade gets consummated. Uh, also joining us tonight, uh, Andrew Dwan, who uh, just wrapped up the, the Celtics game. So how, how are you doing tonight, Andrew? I'm doing good. You know, we made a trade with Philly and didn't have to take Horford's contract back. So <laughs> two wins. Oh, average <laughs> Al, as uh, Lou Merloni would say. Yeah, so I, I'm not going to lie. I was sitting in my recliner and I was kind of dozing off. And I said, you know what? We're up eight to nothing. I guess it's eight to two now, but it was eight to nothing at the time. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to finish this inning just to see how Darwin's and Hernandez looks. It's his first appearance of the season. And then I'm going to go to bed. And then. Looks great, by the way. He certainly did. And he, they got what? Two innings out of him. Yep, two innings, one hit, three strikeouts. Yeah, excellent, excellent. And then Dave O'Brien uh, started talking about some tweets from Alex Spear, and I thought, oh, geez, we're gonna, I'm not going to bed. We're going to be recording a show. So here we are. So we kind of knew that Workman was the one obvious player that would be traded. Um, I, I don't know if there's another obvious player remaining i still we we all probably would agree that jd martinez will go who also hit a home run tonight um so but the first one is down and i'm kind of glad that it happened early because i had said at least once or twice that workman can he's a finesse guy you know his curveballs is bread and butter 
And if he's not locating, he could easily give up two or three runs and, and look really bad. And he has had a couple of appearances this year that haven't been stellar. He labored, got past the 30 pitch mark. So by by getting rid of him early, that kind of allowed us to get whatever value. I, I was going to say decent value, but we'll talk about what we think of the trade here pretty quick. But we at least got something for him. But what does this mean for the Red Sox over the course of the next six weeks or so? Um, I think it meant that they knew, they knew their offense was going to come to life, but they knew they didn't have the pitching. And obviously they weren't going to spend money and assets on it. So you just have to take a realistic approach and not just go in it blindly and, you know, kind of just deny the inevitable. So I think we start to see the wheels turning and we might see some dominoes start to fall now. Yeah, I'm with I'm with you on that one. I think it was only a matter of time before the hitting finally came to fruition. Um, but the the number one issue before the season started was going to be starting pitching, and we knew that because going into you know last year you had David Price, Chris Sale, Erod, uh, Porcello, and you had Ivaldi, and then in less than a year you lost Sale for the season, Price via trade, Porcello to free agency. Erod to myocarditis, and that leaves you with Eovaldi. I don't remember the last time that four out of five starters on any starting rotation the following season were all gone. So Pavetta will give this team um, an opportunity. Hopefully he can kind of right the ship and figure his stuff out because a couple years ago he had some really good starts, including one against the Red Sox, where he looked like he could do some damage. So should be interesting. And, uh, you know, Hernandez is back, so that, you know, fills in a role. And I, who, who else can we call up that's going to maybe see some innings out of the bullpen? You know, I don't think they're going to really rush anyone up. I think we're just going to start seeing Valdez pitch for, for a couple innings. Uh, for better or worse, Osage, most likely worse, will be getting the ball a few more times. Uh, I think they're just going to have to piece this together. And I think if they make more deals, they'll probably get some lesser arms as throw-ins, and they will just patch it together that way. Yeah, they could, I suppose they could call up a Chris Mazza-type guy to you know, get some innings out of and – Oh, that's true. I keep forgetting they keep sending him down every single time he pitches. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other thing, too, is there are going to be certain players that, um, you know, we, we do have some minor league players. You know, you have Groom, who's still down there, and everyone knows what he can do. But the problem is the Red Sox also have to be incredibly diplomatic about the players that they want to bring up because you don't want to start the clock on them. And let's be honest, we know every team does it. They want to hold these players down for as long as they possibly can, maximize their value. They're not going to be bringing up certain pitchers on purpose. So while you you can say, oh man, that'd be a great player to call up, there's more than likely no chance that you're going to see you know the likes of Jay Groom in 2020 or 2021. Well, so yeah, we can't bring Groom up any anyways. He's only thrown 50 minor league minor league innings at this point. Um, I it w- that would just be just throwing him in the lion's den at this point. Um, I could see Mata and Hauk coming up. Within the month, probably you know mid September ish, but I don't think we'll see. I, I I can't imagine they would ever do that to groom at this point, even though he is Rule Five eligible at the end of the year. 
Well, you look at the players that they have right now in the minor league system, and of the ones that are there, Bobby Pointer's got experience, and really everybody else has had little to none. So they are they are pretty limited on options. Yeah, you have Maza coming back and forth and whatnot, but I mean, I, I think what we see is kind of what we're going to be dealing with, barring a COVID situation or uh, another trade, because there could still be another one in the in the works. You know? Oh, there um, will. There has to be at this point. Yeah. Not, oh, yeah. This can't be the last uh, chip to land on the table here. They, this signals, hey, we're open for business. They literally just set the market for trades at this point, which I don't know if the Red Sox have ever done. Um, you know, usually they're buyers, not sellers. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they approach this because I imagine that the Angels and Mariners are kind of like, Jesus, you're taking on reclamation projects? Is that really what we're going to do here? We're not going to do prospects? But, right. right. <laughs> it's it's interesting, too, because like you mentioned, the Red Sox are usually that team that ends up going out and making headline news where you go to ESPN and you see breaking David Price, seven years, $217 million, breaking news, Pablo Sandoval, Hanley Ramirez, get signed, blah, blah, blah. Like all these names that at one point were, for the lack of a better term, relevant. Uh, you know, it's just kind of the way that the Red Sox were doing business. And this is a little bit different, but I'm not going to lie. This is kind of cool to see, you know, like the Red Sox are never the first team to to start the whole uh, kind of effect in motion of uh, making moves and making deals. Because let's be honest, if this is the only deal the Red Sox make, it can't be. But if it is, that that's a loss. That's a major loss because there have got to be other players that need to go. Well, yeah, and I do think we do need to temper expectations with returns because this season could end tomorrow. Uh, There's just such an unknown um, going forth. We don't know if there's going to be a postseason. I mean, we just saw, who was it, the Mets had a positive test? Was it the Mets? Yeah, Yeah, they had a couple. I think there was two. One player and then one uh, staffer, I believe, and they they shut it down. It was a coach. Yeah, so... GMs aren't going to be willing to do the Glaber Torres for Chapman deal or to bring it back to the Red Sox, the Anderson Espinosa, screw you, Dombrowski, for Drew Pomeranz deal. Uh, you know, we're going to have to, you know, s- settle a little bit more. And the only players you can deal are those within the uh, 60-man player pool. So it kind of limits who you can do. I don't know. I'm sure they could probably do some player-to-be-named later, later deals and kind of skate their way around that. But um, I think we have to take every single rumor with a grain of salt and just temper our expectations a little bit. Smart. Well, this deal, this deal came together real fast. I mean, it did. you know, I who was the first one on it today? Uh, Jim Salisbury. The guys from NBC Sports Philly were on it pretty pretty early. Yeah, and then Morosi got on it, and um, you know the the beat writers started retweeting and whatnot out of Boston, and and there was a lot of momentum, and it it came together, and apparently other teams had been you know, in contact with the Red Sox about Workman and apparently they kind of felt that they saw what the landscape was and kind of honed in on the Phillies and and the deal happened. So let's just get into um, the two players. Yep. Some of us are familiar with Nick Pavetta, especially, you know, the fantasy league players. I, I, I play DraftKings and... Um, 
not a guy by outward appearances that we would have hoped for. <laughs> you know, definitely been scuffling. Going to need to be refined. He's going to have to retool. I, I don't know if we'll see him this season. I, I, I don't know what type they're, of approach. They're sending him to the minors. Uh, Bloom said that. He's going to report to the minors. He's not coming to the major league team. I think they are going to tear him down completely. I really think they have at least three more years with him um, through arbitration, which should be super cheap uh, based on his performance. So they're going to absolutely rip apart his delivery. They're going to make him and mold him into what they want. And, hey, good work. That'd be great if it does. Uh, but I think that they they see him as a ball of clay at this point. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't made a start since uh, July 12th of 2019 and then has been basically utilized out of the bullpen. Hasn't pitched uh, this season since August 10th when he gave up six runs uh, after only being able to record one out in the inning he appeared in. He gave up uh, six hits to, to seven batters and hasn't pitched since, so... Um, Ironically, that was uh, pretty identical to our last view of Heath Hembry uh, against the Phillies, where he didn't record an out and let him four runs. Yeah, that was ugly. And then that whole bottom third of an inning was was terrible. But yeah, so I think Hembry, you know, it's getting to the point where guys like him might have just been overused, and you can only lean on those guys so hard. And, you know,. I would normally value a guy like Hembry, who, who admittedly can be hot or cold at various times, but when he's on, he's on, and he still has that mid to upper 90s fastball, and, you know, so a lot of times we'll take that, but I, I think he was kind of overused, so hopefully for the sake of the Phillies, I, I've got no ill will towards the Phillies, you know, I hate Bryce Harper, but I, I love Girardi, and I want these guys to do well, and and you know if they get into the postseason, I I hope you know the they'll at least compete. Workman's got two rings already, if you can believe that. He does. <laughs> yeah, he. Well, it was interesting too because in 2018, he actually got left off the roster for the World Series because they brought on Pomerantz, which a lot of people forgot. Like 2018, he didn't pitch in the World Series. I, I still think he got a ring, but he wasn't. He wasn't on the roster. Huh, I don't. I n- didn't remember that specifically, but he did pitch in some key spots against the Yankees in the ALDS. Uh, yep, that, he was that. on the DS and the CS roster, but he was not on the. He was on the final roster, which was uh, a little interesting. I wonder if he was dinged up because Pomeranz never actually got into a game. He yeah, was, he didn't get in either. He was he was warming in the pen that 18 inning game. I think Avaldi was definitely not coming out for the next inning it, had they survived it. And um but that's the closest Pomerantz came to getting into a game. Uh so I, I don't maybe maybe he was a little dinged up or something, but but he definitely, you know, held down the fort in in some of the middle innings of of the Yankees series. So, and yep. infamously was sent to the plate in the 2013 World Series because John Farrell had no idea what a what a double switch was. So, um, and he was a player at one point. So it's it's even more crazier that that he didn't know what that was, but. 
but I, I hope these guys do well. And, and I was talking to someone this afternoon, uh, just a, a fan from the Phillies market, and he said that Robertson, uh, David Robertson, who was uh, the winter before last, uh, one of their acquisitions through free agency, and he ended up having, I can't remember if it was shoulder surgery or Tommy John, but he's been out for the better part of a year. He should be coming back. So suddenly the Phillies bullpen's going to have Hembry, uh, you know, uh, Workman, and Robertson. It'll be interesting to see who actually ends up being the closer. And I think Hector Neris will still be relevant, you know, in, in some capacity. You know, maybe. Well, yeah, they just lost one of their best relievers yesterday. I don't know if you guys watched it, but. Which, God, one, which one was that? Don't. Uh, Jose Alvarez, he oh. took a 105 mile an hour line drive to uh, to an area where you should never take a 105 mile oh. uh, per hour line drive. I heard about that. Yeah, <laughs> it was terrible. It was disgusting. Honestly, he had to be carried off the field too, didn't he? Stretchered off the stretchered field. off the field. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he might never have kids after that, but uh, I don't think he will. Hopefully, he's already had them, but. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so what, what are just getting back into Pavetta here? I mean, best case, they, they fix him and we see him in some capacity next year. We're probably going to need a starter here. I'm still feeling more likely than not if only gets dealt. So that leaves you what Erod Perez. Not sale for next season. Or yeah, talk- yeah, next season. Oh, well, next season they're going to be making some purchases. You know, they're they're going to be they're going to be buying some players. You know, I think Trevor Bauer is an opportunity. He's he's a he's a potential possibility. I don't think they're going to go after John Lester. John Lester's absolutely getting he got cracked today against Chicago um, for the Subway Series. There, he got destroyed. Eight runs in like not even four innings of work. So I don't think he's coming back. But I think the Red Sox really, even in 2021, they're not going to be a super competitive team. It won't be until 2022 where the Red Sox look really, really good. And before, you know, a couple nights ago, the Red Sox were sure bet to get one of the top two pitchers from Vanderbilt. And now they've won three. It's going to be three in a row. No. Uh, I, I, I don't, don't want to throw any cold water on that, but I don't think we can count on that until we know what they're going to do with the draft this year. Cause it's not looking like it's just going to be straight up record. So it looks like they'll probably take into account last season's standings, um, or do something funky. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not counting my Kumar rocker, uh, uh, chicks until they uh, till they hatch. <laughs> oh, we're not getting Kumar Rocker. That's it's completely out. I think it's going to be Pittsburgh that ends up rocking that boat for sure. Well, um, but if they do take last year's standings, we are looking around pick number ten, even if we finish with the second worst record. Yeah. I, I mean, I, Kumar Rocker in twenty twenty two twenty twenty three is going to be an absolute stud. It's not going to be pitching for the Red Sox. Like you, oh, you're no, absolutely right. We're, like we're not going to get a top seven guy at this point i think that if they uh if they end up doing that um that would that would kind of i think upset a couple people um because the teams that really the teams that did really poorly last year you have you know baltimore was garbage miami was garbage uh i think detroit was also one of the teams that was really bad being the driver's seat for the first overall pick yet again 
Detroit, oh, I thought it was Baltimore. So Detroit did worse than Baltimore. Okay, okay. I know Miami was bad. Um, Kansas City was garbage. Pittsburgh was has been crap for like three or four years. Um, Padres weren't really that good. We finished in like the middle of the the pack if you're looking at like straight up record. Um, but uh, it, it, it'll be interesting because is is Nick Pavetta going to be a starting pitcher next year? I think that's the goal. That's the dream. he will be. That's I think the they're goal. Gonna, I mean, they're going to have at that point. What is it? August. They're going to have a long time to really mold him into a player that they want. If it translates to results, I mean, that's going to remain to be seen. But I think they are going to work with him a lot in the off season. I think they're going to redo his delivery. Uh, he kind of short arms the ball. Uh, you'll notice that. Um, I, I really do think that they are going to try to rebuild him as a pitcher and, you know, you're, it's going to either work or it's not going to work. And if it doesn't work, he's just going to be an innings eater as your number four. Right. So who else do we have though? We got Erod Perez. Well, tentatively. Chris Sale in July. Yeah. Sale (laughs) in July. But hopefully that's if they activate him, you don't know yet. We still don't know what that, that arm is going to look like. And Uh, and will the Red Sox risk it? I don't think, I mean, at that point he'll be over a year removed from it. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, about 16 yeah, months. Yeah. 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 You'll have Mata. You'll have Hauk. Those guys theoretically should be up in one way or another. You guys are – everyone else on this podcast is a little more optimistic than me that the Red Sox will find someone to take their money. Um, I'm not completely sold on that. The way Trevor Bauer is pitching, uh, I don't – he's going to – He's going to require a lot of money and a draft pick. I'm not really trying to give up a draft pick when our, you know. He's a free agent. Yeah, he's a free agent, but they'll give him our, they'll offer him a qualifying offer. They will, yeah. And he's going to decline it. And, you know, you give up a second round pick there. And if you want to try to get another pitcher, there's a third round pick. And, you know, that's draft money uh, in addition to those picks. And our, our, uh, our farm system can't really handle that at this point. It wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me though if the Red Sox end up signing Godley again, like just as another filler, like put him in the four-five slot. Godley's if they do the same. fine, but it's the the Bauer signing that doesn't really make sense to me. Do we think Bauer is on the record saying he is only going to take one-year deals? Correct. So. Does it make sense to give him $25 million if we're still looking at, at best, a third place in the division finish? No, he's going to go to a win-now team that will just – Yeah, that'll forfeit the pick. But I'm just – and Hein Bloom said, I think it was a couple days ago, that he wasn't going to put a timetable on – how quickly we're going to be competitive again. He, he says Good. it's dangerous to do that. He says sometimes there might be circumstances that lead to an accelerated rebuild, but he's not guaranteeing anything. So that tells me basically that we might not. And I know, Andrew, you are kind of hoping for that. You're, you, you want more of a traditional rebuild here. And when you're, we're hearing rumors that, oh, maybe Xander – you know, might be shopped or whatever, or who else? There was one or two other surprising names. They said when they're saying nobody's untouchable, 
I mean, we could be you looking at a few years. That. I mean, you can't be like, hey, come on in. You know, like we're open for business. You know, you're just you're fighting against yourself there. You don't want to, you know, diminish your asset. So you got to you have to play it off as, you know, these guys, you really have to blow us over. We don't want to trade them. Verdugo, they're speculating, could go to Cleveland for either Clevenger or Plesak. Yeah, I don't buy that one. Actually, um, I don't know if you guys saw the report earlier. It it wasn't as as much a report as it was speculation. Uh, I think it was MLB.com through Benintendi for uh, Plesak, which I I would do it. Yeah, I would do it too. I hate Plesak. I think he's a dick, but... um, if you can get that for what the you know the remnants of <laughs> Andrew Benintendi, absolutely. I think Francona is the type of guy that could could help get a Benintendi right again. I mean, and, yeah, and look at the market he'd be in. What pressure is there? There's none. Right. It's, it's Evelyn. It's them and the tw- twins, really. Um, yeah. Yeah. Although Detroit's starting to kind of, you know, make some noise. I don't know if they'll be competitive next year or maybe it'll be the year after. But they're they're a lot closer to competing than than they have been in a while. But um, yeah, so I just it's tough to really interpret what we're gonna do next year. I, I would almost maybe. Bloom goes after somebody who's not quite as bad as Godly, you know, maybe a, a Derek Holland type guy, <laughs> if if he's oh, a God. little bit better. I don't know. I'm just a just a middle of the rotation guy, maybe another Perez type guy, but maybe a little better that type of thing. You no, know, I'm fine with that, honestly. I, you know, this isn't an overnight build. It, it isn't. We don't have the talent within the organization to have this be an overnight. Build. The best prospects are not ready to come up uh, and contribute at a pennant uh, competing, you know, level. level. Yeah, I agree. They're just not there. They will be. I mean, hopefully they will be, but it's just not going to be a blink of the eye rebuild, which I guarantee most Red Sox fans want. Yeah. Go ahead, Charlie. You know, I'm thinking more about this, like, long-term. Like, Hein Bloom had to say what he said by not saying anything about, like, giving a specific timetable because you just made a trade. You've begun the do- you've already begun the domino effect for trading away your players that nobody's untradeable. You have to say that. Of course, there are certain players that, you know, of course, everybody has a price, right? But there are going to be certain ones that are going to have a price that's too much for other teams to want to say, yeah, he's just not he's, he's not worth that. So there'll be some players that are tradable but won't get traded. You've already begun the process for, for delving out players in your bullpen. Keith Embry and Brandon Workman, two guys that already have a lot of experience. They're all already, you know, they've, they've already established themselves as uh, good vets on the team. Um I, I, I don't know. I, I can't say that the Red Sox will be competitive for the next couple of years. I think I can say that confidently. You know, you're just talking about the farm system, too. Even pitching-wise, we don't have it there either. 
Like, no, we don't. The Navy we, took we, away we don't. Song, unfortunately. <laughs> we don't. Dave Dombrowski bled this farm system absolutely dry. He's like, uh, for those that are listening, uh, Google this name, Chainsaw Al. Google what this guy does. He doesn't care what he has to do to save money to make money. Um, it, it's insane. That's what Dave Dombrowski does. He will do whatever he has to do to try to get the win. He gets the win, and then he's done because the team gets absolutely bled dry. Like, look at Detroit. Detroit went all in, and look what happened. Their team completely bled out. Then they got Porcello from Detroit. A couple other players ended up leaving. You know, Scherzer left. Verlander left. Then the Red Sox situation happened, and now all their players are going to be leaving, uh, you know, not too long from now. J.D. Martinez is – I wouldn't be surprised if J.D. Martinez and Eovaldi both are gone. I really – I wouldn't at this point. I think – I really wouldn't. I still believe more likely than not Evaldi is gone, and I, I think J.D., I, I'd put that one at, you know, at least 80%, especially, you know, with the power uptick. Um, you know, I know Baltimore is a home run haven, but he did go deep tonight. and I'm still on the Evaldi. I just – they don't. I. I think they might want to trade Evaldi, but I just don't know where the innings would come from at this point. Maybe that's an off season. I. I just. I. I don't know. How fill. Fill those. Well, picks. you're done. You're done. But you know who, the season's You got to throw someone out there. They literally, like, physically, do not have anyone to fill in the the gaps. I just think if they <laughs> if they keep him and then he's in the rotation next year. He's on the DL by June, and oh, I would. I'm not saying I don't want to move him. I just, I think logistically, I don't know. They would have to get a team's fifth starter or like sixth starter, you know, long guy out of the bullpen back. And at that point, if you, I think if you trade Avaldi, you trade everyone. Um, and when I say everyone, I mean you got to trade JD and you got to trade Moreland. Those two guys mainly. Oh, I think they're. I think they're absolutely going to do that. I, I think Bloom wants as many prospects as possible, and if there's a way to do it, I, I think I think he will. But, yeah. So, um, a couple new bits of information since we've went on the air. Jeff Passan put out that uh, there's quite a bit of praise rolling in for Boston's return. A lot of Connor Seabold fans among scouts. So that. You know, that uh, takes some fans off the ledge a little bit. And then um, there was also a report coming out that the Red Sox will have to send additional cash or a player to be named later in the deal to complete it. Right. So there's a rumor already. I believe it was already in effect that $815,000 was also going over in the deal. Yeah, they were covering some of the salaries. Right. But this is is in in addition to that. Oh, I thought that was. I thought that was a bit. I didn't know they were going to talk about something else because I don't. I don't see what the Red Sox should give. Yeah, in addition was, uh, to, to Brandon Workman and Heath Henry. I don't know what. Yeah, you, this you was feel like Scott Lauber about five minutes ago. He he used to be a Red Sox guy, and now he uh, is a Phillies beat guy. He says Phillies will acquire more cash or a player to be named later. Um, from the Red Sox at the moment, there's the Phillies are still below the threshold, but not by much. So, yeah, that that's a reason why you're going to see a little bit more money going uh, their way in addition to the eight hundred and fifty-one thousand. 
Let's get into Connor Siebold. You know, he's a he's a right-handed pitcher. He's pitched as high as Double A. Andrew, you thought his numbers were pretty average, so yeah, they're not bad. Um, I mean, he's still fairly young. He's only twenty-four. Uh, he'll be just turning twenty-five at the beginning of next season, uh, like spring training-wise. So. Uh, there, there's a lot to like there. He's got a decent fastball. It's not great, but his curveball is his best pitch. He's got solid command. Um, he's a fastball, curveball changeup guy. So maybe he can be a third or fourth starter. And at that point, if that's what you just got for two expiring deals, that's that's pretty good. I. It's still too early to tell, at least for, for me. Like, I looked at his numbers from 2019, 2018. He is a kid. Uh, played out at, at, at Fullerton. Did great work there. Uh, 2019, numbers were fine. You know, seven hits and 17 innings. Struck out 22. So his K-9 is still good. Uh, he only gave up one bomb. Uh, I'm just kind of curious to see, like, what, you know, what he's going to be able to do next year. Because here's the thing. You have no idea what you're going to be getting. Like I, I think back to all the trades the Red Sox have made in the past. When the when the Red Sox traded Heathcliff Slocum for for some guy named Derek Lowe and Jason Veritek, no one knew who those two guys were. No one knew what was going to come out from that. Seattle never would have done that if they knew that either one of them were going to have any remote talent. And both of them ended up leading us to a World Series title, multiple World Series titles. So I, I don't want to poo-poo the trade too much. Um, I'm a little sad because I do like Brandon Workman. I think he was, I, I thought he was great. I, I'm going to miss him in the bullpen. Uh, Henry was good too. Nothing against him. But, you know, outside of Brandon Workman's one fluke bad outing against, I believe, Philly, uh, he's been stellar this year. And uh, Pivetta, unfortunately, like, unless they do break him down and completely rebuild him up, I'm nervous about him. Seabold is going to be someone that, you will keep your eye on. It was kind of like uh, it's going to be like keeping an eye on Jeter Downs and Connor Wong. We're going to be watching all three of them very closely to see because we want to know just how good these players are going to be considering what we gave. There's going to be a little bit more eyes on um, more eyes on Connor and, and Jeter Downs because of the fact that Mookie got sent. But still, a lot of eyes will be on, on Seabold too. So it should be interesting. I uh, was looking up Connor Seabold, and he was number 23 in the Phillies organization on the MLB Top 30. And I, I went to look at him again, and he was already taken down from that site and put onto the Red Sox site, where he also <laughs> ranks 23rd. So what does his fastball top out at? Let's see, typically working at 90 to 94 miles an hour. So... Um, it'll be interesting to see what what they can do with him. And the Red Sox hired Dave Bush in the offseason after um, reassigning uh, Dana Levangi. And, you know, when you bring in a new pitching coach, you kind of hope that, you know, it helps transform things. But we've seen a big difference in Brazier in the last three or four outings. You know, his his fastball's got a, a little bit more movement on it, a little bit more zip, and just completely dominant last night. His By far his best start, uh, his best appearance, excuse me, of the season so far. 
Ryan Weber has pitched pretty well in long relief. I don't know if there's anything there. Uh, Colton Brewer just tonight, four scoreless innings. And you might say, well, it's the Orioles. Well, the Orioles have the number one offense in Major League Baseball right now in in terms of batting average or something. But that's a a very good offense, at least at the moment. And you've got Phillips Valdez, who's, you know, got an ERA right around one and has... Just call him a stud. (laughs) <laughs> that's what he is. He has. He absolutely has been, and and going multiple innings a lot of times as well. So, if if this is in part because of Dave Bush, that's that gives me a little bit of optimism for a guy like Pavetta, who absolutely. who Bloom says uh, tonight is expected to be a starter. And and then with Connor Siebold, I mean, so we'll see. Is getting a bunch of lottery tickets the worst thing? You know, these guys weren't going to be back next year. So if you trade away four guys that are average, let's say, I'm not counting JD in there, um, more so bullpen pieces, and then you end up hitting with one of these guys, that's worth it, right? You don't have to hit on all four of them. And also, when if JD gets moved, and we all agree that he will, that's probably going to bring in a couple more pitchers. So we're going to hit on someone <laughs> at some point. Agreed. It's just a matter of you know the fact that Red Sox um, fans typically are uh, a little impatient. So the question then becomes, how long? How long until we have to wait to see uh, one of those hit, you know, like, I don't know about you guys, but when I play battleship, I like to sink everyone else's boats. I like to get hits pretty quickly. I don't want it to be like on turn number 15 that I finally sink a little two spot, you know? <laughs> yeah. But we got to look to see over the last 15 years, how the Red Sox, I guess 16 or so years, how they built up what they became and got them over the, over the edge there. The arbor- the qualifying offer system was absolutely different. You could trade for a reliever that was a type A, give up nothing, and then get a first-round pick. But that's how they built what they what they have now. You know, they got the guys like Ellsbury and Pedroia like that. You know, they're, they're building up the farm system, which takes time. It takes time to do. And that's how you get su- just sustained success. So if we have to do two crap years, it's going to be worth it because we don't even know if there's going to be baseball because of strikes and labor disagreements. So why hold on to guys whose contracts are just going to keep ticking and then are going to be free agents when you don't even have them on the field? So Sox fans, I'm sorry, but you have to be patient. We got World Series out of this. Let's give it a few years and, you know, just enjoy your summer. Go outside instead. Sounds good. I mean, I'm all for it. Uh, I'm I'm down to vote for you for 2020 if you're, you're going to put your name on the ballot. <laughs> you can write me in. Yeah, you know, there's going to be a whole lot of that this year, I think. Also, let's not forget the fact that this organization, this whole World Series era, going back to 2004, has not done a very good job developing pitching. No. We, we we spend money to acquire pitchers. We we don't have a very good track record of developing 
them. John Lester is the last ace we developed. And he's he's a borderline ace. He's a top-of-the-rotation guy, but you look at a lot of these teams, I mean, a prime John Lester is still going to be a number two on a lot of teams, you know, whether it's behind Scherzer or behind Kershaw or behind Verlander or Cole or whatever, you know, he's he, he comes in at number two, you know, against all those guys. But he's still the best we've produced. He was drafted in 2004. No, that was 2002. Oh, it was, oh, last two? Year. Yeah, it was a round pick back then. Oh, my bad. I thought it was over. Yeah, no, that, that's how long ago it's been. <laughs> I wouldn't even have corrected you if it, it was, didn't even just make your point even better. <laughs> that was our last. We had him. We've had Clay Buckholtz. And then, um, you know, um, every other pitcher that they've developed in their system, uh, they've turned into relievers. Case in point, the guy that we're talking about right now, and Brandon Workman, you know, he was a first or second round pick in I think 2010. So you have all these misses where you're like, oh my god, how are we doing this? And it's like, well, he kind of turned out. It's like, no, he was a seventh inning guy. Like you drafted in the first round. Yeah, our the development's been atrocious. Uh, well, the hit rate's been atrocious. That I think is a little more fair to say. Yeah, I mean, we just haven't. I mean, look at all the the best pitchers we've had. I mean, Josh Beckett acquired from the Marlins, Chris Sale acquired from uh, the White Sox. I hate to say it, but David Price signed in free agency. Uh, John Lackey signed in free agency. Kurt Schilling was a trade from the Diamondbacks. So, I mean, that's how we've been doing it. And that's fine. I mean, but that shouldn't, you still, development is still important. So I I think that's kind of the eye that Bloom has. And I I would love to compete next year. And it's going to be, it's going to be hard to, to sell this fan base to, to wait another year or two. I, I don't think we're looking at a long, painful rebuild that, you know, Miami, Baltimore, Detroit are going through. I think it'll be quicker than that, but um, but it's, you know, we're used to winning. You have, yeah, you got to give it time. Unfortunately, it's not like football or basketball where you're like, all right, we got the first pick, like give it a year and he's going to be awesome. You know, these guys, sometimes they're as young as 17 coming into the draft and you're like, you know, you don't know what you have for five years, but we, you got to get your money right. You got to get everything in place, and then we can really kind of see the blueprint take fold. Yeah, and I'm an optimist with the bullpen because you got you got Taylor who's under control for a while. Austin Bryce under control for a while. We don't really know. There's not a verdict on him yet uh, as to exactly what he is, but he could potentially be here a while. Darwin's in Hernandez going to be here for another five or six years. I don't know what Valdez's situation, but he he's got to be controllable for a few years. Like I'm really liking w- what we're potentially going to have with the bullpen, and there's going to be other guys that get added in as well and and we could also you know make a signing uh, you know for a reliever or whatnot so I think we're solid there we're solid in the lineup if we want to retain some guys 
So it's just finding some starters in here and just kind of winging it for a year or two. And have you noticed since Bloom has has been here that we've barely heard a peep out of John Henry? <laughs> not not a word. Yeah. Like it's been so quiet to the point where it wouldn't surprise me if people were like, "Does he does he still own the team?" Because you you don't even know. He's not said a word. And I think I'll, I'll say that much. Like I give John Henry a lot of credit for for not saying anything because. He, he's giving uh, Heim Bloom the chance to do his thing without interrupting it, without being a distraction. Because let's be honest, John Henry doesn't know the first thing about doing a general manager's job. It's not it's not going to be his, his role. He's just going to quietly sit on the sidelines and let the professionals do what professionals do. Um, I think it would have caused a little bit more turmoil within the system, within the entire team, if he did open his mouth to say anything because you've had a GM who's been a GM for six minutes. You know, it hasn't been that long. So you have to let him make his moves. You know, yeah, sure, you can consult, but you don't want to be like the Jerry Jones of Major League Baseball. Not very well liked in football. So He's he's a hard guy to hate and he's a hard guy to like at the same time because whenever he, he opens his mouth, it comes out stupid. But you also have to respect the fact that he has been willing to spend money. You you don't get four championships without the willingness to do that. So, so, I mean, Sox fans are mad. He didn't give up 400 million to Mookie, but it's not like we're dealing with an $86 million payroll at the end of the day. So as much as I can get pissed off at Henry, he has routinely given us, 180 to 200 million to work with each year, including um, when it al- was allowed a high international free agent budget. He he likes to win, and you're, you're seeing that with the soccer team and 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 with this team. So I just hope there's a way they they find a way to be competitive. We're not going to go into any of the next few seasons picking the Sox to win the division, most likely. But Tampa did kind of overperform a little bit the last couple of years. They even made trades, I think the season before last. And it looked like they were going to get worse, but then they got better. They got to 90 wins the season before last, didn't make the playoffs. And then last year they did make the playoffs, got to game five against Houston. So, you know, I'm not going to write the Red Sox off here. I think you did see Tom Warner make some comments about essentially being embarrassed about how bad we were. So I think they are a little bit conscious about about everything. I mean, this is going to be the second year that we don't make the playoffs. Next year, unless they do make an unexpected splash in free agency, probably not looking great. But yeah. it's not looking good. We got to understand that the Yankees are going to be the Yankees. Tampa is bringing up a ton of great talent, uh, including the number one prospect in the league, just waiting in the wing over there and wondering. Oh, oh yeah, I'm so and excited then for Toronto. Him. If you know Vlad, you know buys a treadmill in the off season, <laughs> they can be pretty damn good. Yeah, and th- th- apparently they're seeking some upgrades. So I, I don't know if we would send a Valdi, you know, to a division I- rival. 
I would do it. I mean, they must have a pretty good farm system, especially with Sherrington running it for a few years. Just one random question, and then we'll wrap. I had a hot take earlier in the year. It was during the winter that the Yankees would fire Brian Cashman by the end of 2022. So I'll, if there's a strike year, I'll say 2023. But there's no doubt the Red Sox are going to build a juggernaut here one way or the other, whether it's development or spending money or a combination of both. And it'll probably be the latter. You know, the Red Sox are going to be a juggernaut. Tampa Bay looks like a team that's going to be competitive for a really long time. And you got the Orioles. I mean, offensively, they're pretty good. They're going to have to develop some pitching here. But they do. They did hire a couple of executives out of the Astros organization to to build their team. So, and they the Orioles do have an owner that's kind of like a mid market team. So they are going to spend money when the time comes. And and they do have they have some good arms in the system. Yeah, they definitely do. They just called up an outfielder tonight. Uh, he has a goofy yeah, name. Yeah, Mountcastle. Mountcastle, yeah. He better be yeah, like at least 6'5". coming up soon. Yeah. So the point I'm, I'm getting at here is the Yankees are trying to spend money to be competitive. And they've made some bad trades, you know, with, I mean, the Paxton trade isn't looking too good at this point. Um, you know, he's got a flexor strain and he, he seems to be a head case even when he's healthy. Um, yeah. And you know, the decisions to make. Yeah. Stanton was one of the worst trades of all time by the looks of it. And so I'm just thinking, you know, Steinbrenner has to be looking at these front offices and, and thinking, wow, they're, they're doing it right. And this is just the division I just mentioned. This isn't around the league, you know, where all these other teams are, starting to pop up and and be really competitive. Like, the Yankees just look so dumb. And if they do sign Judge to that deal that we were talking about on the last show, they're they're just a few years away from having a bunch of guys in their mid-30s who can't stay healthy. They're going to be that same old, broken-down team that they were in 2014 and 2015. Oh. And <laughs> I, I, think, I think Steinbrenner will make a move and, and get rid of Cashman, but... They're going to have to open their wallets a lot. I mean, you got to figure out what you want to do with Glaber. He's starting to hit arbitration after this season, but Fangraphs uh, just came out with their top 10 uh, most tradable assets, and he was definitely within the top 10. So maybe they try to move him. I don't know. Yeah, Cashman is going to have to make a lot of really good decisions coming up. I don't think he's got the balls to do it, though. Like, he should trade Aaron Judge and get a haul and get a uh, massive haul. Uh, people know where he lives. I don't think he's going to do that for his See, that's the thing. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm getting at. He can't do it. He doesn't have the balls to do it. The Red Sox had the balls to trade Mookie Betts, who's going to be a good player, by the way. He is going to be a good player. Aaron Judge, you know, Cashman's basically going to have a gun to his head to to sign him, and he's going to be he's not going to be a good player because he's not going to stay healthy. Do you think they trade Judge, or do you think they eat sixteen million dollars a year to trade Stanton and also give up like 
two top ten prospects. <laughs> That's uh, I, 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 I'm with Carrie on this one. I don't think Cashman's going to have the stones to try to trade Judge. Um, but there's no team, no amount of money that you could send to another team with prospects to dump Stanton. It's it's uh, just, it's not going to happen. Uh, I, I got a team, uh, <laughs> I'll call, uh, you know, down in the Fenway area that I wouldn't actually mind seeing do that. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you'd want Stanton uh, at Fenway. I'm just saying if they gave us a couple of prospects and also ate a ton of money, I'm willing to bail them out. <laughs> yeah. That makes one of us. There's not enough whiskey in the world to make the, me want the, to take that deal. Standing hill, I swear to God, uh, that is the hill I will die on. I I don't know. I, I can't break up with him. There's something wrong with me. And we can talk about it if you want. <laughs> Bloom's not going to be the guy, There's though. There's a support group that meets on Thursdays. I've been going for a couple months. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, man. I'd just rather give JD a stupid deal, but but yeah. <laughs> that also makes one of us. He just got a year older today. It I'm just I'm just saying versus doing it with with Stanton. But all right, any any final thoughts? This I I really thought this would be a 30 minute show. It's been almost double that. But I <laughs> know I think we're gonna start seeing some more chips falling within the next week. Uh, the Red Sox are on a sneaky win streak right now, which I don't think they're going to affect their judgment when it comes to him making trades because obviously they just moved two, two good arms. Uh, let's see what uh, happens with Matt Barnes, our proverbial closer. <laughs> well, yeah, well, maybe Darwin's in, or Taylor could take that role too. I mean, he's back. I, I know he had a... Oh, give it to Darwin's in. I'm, I'm all about it. yeah. But there's talk that he could start or open, and they they're gonna screw him up. I mean, oh, yeah, he should totally. He should be a one inning guy. Starting, then you lose the next day. <laughs> yeah, they just did that with uh, Tampa, and then he went right on the DL. Yeah, oh, that was terrible. I remember that. I forget his name, but yeah, he closed against us, and then opened the very next day, and he's. Whatever the injury was, it wasn't good. It was an arm injury, and and I I don't know what his status is, but yeah. Well, all right, guys, good show. I'll see Charlie on Sunday to you know recap this Baltimore series. Got a sweep going so far. To I know uh, this is wild. <laughs> yeah, now that Bloom knows he's not getting Kumar, he's probably like, yeah, yeah, just try to win. But uh, pretty much, we'll see. Yeah, they uh, they well, you know, that was the thing about the Sox though is they always like to make things interesting. You're up eight zero, then you cough up five runs. I think it was uh, Osage that gave up all five. He did. Yeah. Um, that's uh, and that's the thing is if the Red Sox don't score eight runs, you deal with that. So they have to walk in every night saying, "All right, guys, we we need to run an inning." Or we're not going to get out of this. Sausage to Seattle as like the ultimate tank commander. Be like, guys, Kumar, baby. Sausage <laughs> is your man. Yeah, he tried oh, to. He God. tried to do it tonight. Five, five, uh, yeah. five runs. Three of them were dingers. So, That's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right, guys. Have a good night. Good show. And you too. Uh, we'll be back in a few days. Take care. All sir. right. Take take care, man.
That was the emergency episode. So that was, I think, 208, 209, something like that. A little fried. Like I said, I expected to uh, be in bed. But um, the trade happened and just went through it. So uh, keep your... Uh, Keep your eyes peeled on Twitter or MLBTradeRumors.com. That's always a, a great source to um, see what kind of buzz is going on. And we'll be back as these these trades take place and, and for the rest of the regular season. So take care. <laughs>